0: In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and the 15th and 16th verses, it says, But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let me read you another translation of that. One translation says, For from him the whole body, closely joined and knit together by the contact of every part with the source of its life, derives its power to grow in proportion to the vigor of each individual part, and so it is being built up in the spirit of love. So what he's talking about there is that the body is many members, but when all the parts are working good and contributing their parts and doing their parts, that the body is developing and increasing. Amen? And in 1 Corinthians 11, we notice this word, Verse 29 and 30, 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 30, this is the portion of Scripture that we use for communion, what we call the Lord's Supper. These people were not observing the Lord's Supper correctly. They didn't realize what these elements, the bread and cup, stood for, and they weren't observing them properly. And verse 29 says that because they were not discerning the Lord's body, Verse 30, it said, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Why? Because of a failure to properly discern the Lord's body. We began Monday talking about having a body mentality. And we said that there are two main things you can get from this portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 11. One of them is as far as discerning the Lord's body, we realize we must discern the Lord's physical body that was broken for us. His body was broken so that ours could be whole. Amen? He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. And by His stripes we're healed. Amen? Because His body was broken, then ours can be whole. It's, it's part of our redemptive rights. And so when they were eating the bread of the communion... Uh, When they lifted it up and broke it, they should have been thinking, this represents the Lord Jesus' body that was broken for me. And because his body was broken, now I have a right to health and wholeness and strength. And then when they took that bread into their mouth and chewed it and swallowed it, they should be believing I'm a recipient and a participator in all of the benefits of the broken body of Christ. Amen? But you see, these folk weren't doing that. They they just saw bread and thought, hey, bread, I'm hungry, and they ate, and they actually were even gluttonous, and they had no realization or awareness of the symbolism that the bread represented in the Lord's table or communion. So first and foremost, we should discern or see and perceive and understand that the Lord's physical body was broken for us, and because it was, by stripes we're healed. But there's a second application, and that's the one that we've been emphasizing this week. And the second application is this. We know from the Scriptures all through the New Testament, all through the epistles, that is, you keep seeing this truth come up again and again and again, and that is the truth that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is likened to a body, a human body. And the Bible said Jesus is the head, and we are the body. And so not only do you need to rightly discern the physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you also must discern the spiritual body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which, you know, includes all born-again believers. And failing to rightly discern the body of Christ can open up the door for weakness and sickness and even premature death. What do we mean failing to rightly discern the body of Christ? Well, who is the body of Christ? Well, you're a member of the body of Christ, but your brothers and your sisters are also members of the body of Christ. Amen. And not just the ones that you particularly like and are attracted to. But all of every person, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that's genuinely born again, amen, genuinely washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is a part of the same body that you're part of no matter what kind of name they have over their church. Amen? Even if they disagree with you on some things, or you disagree with them, or they do things differently, or their ways or traditions are different, or their culture is different, you still better acknowledge that they are part of the body and you better treat them with love like they're part of the body. Amen? And if you don't, you get in trouble. Now, we said that under the old covenant, we reminded ourselves that God had told them he would be the Lord that healed them. But again and again, when he mentioned his commitment to them as their healer, he would preface it with an if. He would always say things like, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, if you obey me, if you hearken diligently to the voice of my words, if, if, if you do that, then. I will be the Lord that heals you. I will take sickness out of the midst of you. I will take away from you all sickness. The number of your days I'll fulfill, etc., etc. If. Everybody say if. Now see, under the new covenant, the principle of condition is still the same. Now, the conditions are not exactly the same, but I said the principle. The principle of the situation is the same. Really, you could say healing is conditional. Under the old covenant, you had to keep God's commandments, right? And if you did, then you qualified to receive the benefit of Him being your healer. Well, How does that apply to us under the new covenant? Well, under the new covenant, we have a new command. Amen? 1 John 3 says this. It says, 1 John 3, about verse 21 or so. It says, whatever we ask, we receive of Him. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Well, I mean, that's New Testament. But it says, keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That's 1 John. But it goes on to say, and this is his commandment. Now see, this is New, Te- New Testament. What is his commandment in the New Testament? This is his commandment that we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another as he gave us commandment. Now see, under the old covenant, they kept the Ten Commandments, kept all the sacrifices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and that's how they qualified for God to be their healer. But under the new covenant, how do we qualify? Number one, faith. Amen. Number two, love. Now I say one and two because that's the order it was mentioned in, not necessarily priority. Actually, it's hard to separate them. The Bible says faith works by love. You really can't separate faith and love. People try to sometimes, but but it doesn't work. I mean, Galatians 5, 6 says faith works by love. Is that right? If faith works by love and there's no love, what does that mean? Faith doesn't work. Right? Faith works by love. And so can you see that if your faith wasn't working, you're not going to be able to receive healing. You're not going to be able to walk in help, You're not going to be able to resist the devil. You're in trouble. And if that's the case, then it's obvious why people would be weak, sickly, and die prematurely and have all kinds of problems because their faith's not working. And he said it like this, not discerning the Lord's body. You know, I think sometimes in charismatic circles, maybe we had not talked enough about this, but you know... We talk about the fact that, that we healing belongs to us. It's God's will for us to be healed. But sometimes people just, they act like, you know, well, it doesn't make any difference how you act, how you live, how you talk. You know, healing is yours and, and you're healed and, and these things are not a factor, but not so. If you want to be healed, you're going to have to live right. Amen. Now, some folk don't like that kind of talk and preaching, but that's Bible. If you want to be healed, you're going to have to be nice to folk. You can't be mean and ornery and selfish. Are you listening? And that not affects you. That will affect you. That will affect your faith. And see, what, what you're doing is not discerning the Lord's body. See, people think they can kick and cuss and fuss and treat people like dirt and, and still, you know, lift their hands and praise God and receive all the blessings of God. No, no. How many realize that God loves you know, all of your brothers and sisters in Christ just as much as he loves you. Is that right? I mean, he loves them just as much as he loves you. How many in here have children? Now, what if I was a friend of yours and I had opportunity to do something for your child, but I didn't do it. In fact, I kicked them when they were down. But I always treated you nice. I mean, you couldn't ask for a nicer person to you. I was nice to you. I did things for you. I was a tremendous person to you. But I treated your kid like dirt. Kicked them when they were down. How's that going to work? Huh? Well, I treated you nice. I mean, me and you can be friends, right? Right? <laughs> I, see, I see a bunch of sour looks on people's face, you know. Hey, this is, this is just suppositional. Now, I hadn't done anything to your kid, okay? People get serious about that, don't they? And that's exactly what I wanted you to do. Amen? Because guess how God feels when you do something to hit one of his kids. It's amazing how people think. It's amazing how folk act. They can get off the phone with somebody. They just got through chewing them out. I mean just letting them have it. They just got through doing somebody wrong, lying on somebody, backbiting, talking about somebody, doing things, and then they'll come back to the church service. (laughs) And come in, lift up their hands. Oh, Lord, I love you. I praise you. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. You know what the Lord's doing? He's not impressed. He's looking and he's thinking. What about my ch- what about my, my son, my daughter? You can't just waltz in and have good relations with God. When you just got through treating his kid like dirt. It didn't work. The Bible said he that loves God. He loves those whom God has begotten. Amen. And if a man says that he loves God and hates his brother. He's a liar. Is that right? And see, this is just different ways of saying that you've got to discern the Lord's body. All of God's kids don't do right, do they? Right? You know, they don't do right. All of God's kids, you know, don't live right and don't act right and don't walk in love, but they're still God's kids. And you know your own self, you've made mistakes. And if somebody's mean to you, you just remember that there's been times you've been mean to somebody. You can understand it's not right, but you can understand it. And you don't retaliate. You don't do anything, anything to hurt any part of the body of Christ. You don't do anything. We're not in the business of hurting one another. We're in the business of edifying one another and building up one another. Go with me to Colossians 2, and let's notice there, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he also wrote to the church at Colossae, and he said similar things to them. And we read this over here in Ephesians 4, but this is a similar thing to what he said here in Ephesians 4 in Colossians 2, but it'll come across maybe a little differently to you. In Colossians 2, verse 19, he said, Not holding the head, some of these folk were teaching wrong things, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Let me read other translations of that too. One said, From him the whole body, by the joints which bind it, draws full supplies for all its needs, and is knit together. Another one says, From him the, the whole body, in all its parts are nourished and strengthened by its points of contact and by its connections. We talked about the fact that the Lord Jesus, the head, he's the one that ministers to every part of the body, but he ministers to the body through the body. We talked about the fact that if the head is going to give some direction to the hand, it doesn't just come through the air from the head to the hand, does it? It comes through the neck, through the shoulder, through the arm, through the elbow, through the forearm, through the wrist. It comes from the head, but it goes through other body parts. And we said to you that sure, we all have a personal direct relationship and fellowship with the Lord, and there are things He'll minister to us directly. But we are also a part of the body of Christ. And God, the Bible says, God has set the members in the body as it has pleased Him. He's put you where He wants you. And He has set the members around you and the relationships that you've been able to cultivate and develop with different parts of the, the body of Christ. He has, he has ordained those. Amen? I mean, we talked about the fact earlier this week that you can just join yourself to somebody, or you can just join yourself to some work, but that's different from God joining you. God knits people together and knits works and ministries and and things together. All of us are the body of Christ, but you are not directly connected to all parts. You understand? Say my right hand. It's connected to the wrist. And it has constant fellowship with the wrist. Isn't that right? Now, my left foot Is just as much a part of the body as this hand is, but they are not directly connected. See, there are certain parts of the body that you have constant direct contact with and fellowship with. Other parts of the body, you you hardly ever have any direct contact with them. They're still part of the body. You love them, you appreciate them, but you're not connected directly to them. And the Bible tells us in these two passages that we've looked at that these Portions of the body that we're connected to, God has ordained that there be a supply of the Spirit from them to us and a supply of the Spirit from us to them. Now, of course, the devil realizes this much more than most Christians do. Really, it's true. He knows that if he can cause division and rifts and problems between body parts, he can effectively limit... The supply of the Spirit. Amen. We read over there in Philippians, the first chapter, where Paul was telling the church at Philippi to pray for him, and he talked about a supply of the Spirit that would be given him, that would enable him and help him. A supply of the Spirit. And friend, you know, those that God has joined you to, he joined you to them because there's a supply that'll come through them to you that'll help you. And vice versa, he's ordained that there be a supply through you to them to help them. And that we'd be mutually benefiting. Amen. Look with me over in Romans, first chapter. And notice something that Paul said that sounds like what we're talking about now. In Romans 1, he's talking about how that he had prayed, you know, about coming to them and about ministering to them, these saints at Rome. And verse 10, he said, this is Romans 1, 10, He said, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Now, you could say I, that I might impart to you a supply of the Spirit are a quantity of spiritual things. Amen. uh, That I might impart to you some spiritual ministry, some spiritual something. To the end you may be established. That is, now he goes on to qualify, he didn't just stop there, he said, "But that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. I I mean, you can see here a reciprocity, can't you? Him ministering to them and them receiving from Him, and then Him being benefited from His fellowship and time with them. Amen? You know, every service is really reciprocal fellowship. You know, the Spirit of God wants to minister to all of us, doesn't He? And God ministers to us different ways. One way that He ministers, not the only way, but one way that He ministers to us is through men and women that he gives utterance to speak. Now, that's just one way. I mean, the Lord wants to, he'll minister to you right straight out of your Bible. Amen. Ministers to you right out of your heart where the Holy Spirit dwells. He'll minister to you through all different members of the body of Christ. But, of course, in talking about the body of Christ, that previous passage in, in Ephesians 4 had said that he gave gifts to men and he mentioned all these ministry gifts and then he went right on talking about the body. And the reason that he gave these ministry gifts is so that he could have vessels to flow through to give a supply of spiritual things and life and nourishment to the different members of the body so that they would be edified and so that they would grow. Isn't that what Ephesians 4 says there? It's just a different way of saying it, but but that's what it says. But did you know it's not, like we were talking yesterday, it's not supposed to be just a one-sided deal. I'm just a young man, but I've gotten a chance to minister quite a lot in the last several years and speak many times. There's some weeks I've spoken, you know, 20, 25 times a week. And so after a while, you begin to learn some things about how that goes. And, you know, when you speak, you're ministering something to the people, but did you know they're ministering something to you too? (laughs) And it can be good or it can be bad. You know what I'm saying? And really, people are ministering something. And of course, you minister whatever you have. You know, Peter and John at the gate called Beautiful, where the lame man was there. He looked at him and he said, Such as I have, give I they. That's what you're going to give is such as you have. You're not going to give something you don't have. You're not going to give something you wish you had. You're going to give, you can only give what you have. Amen. And did you know, it's not selfish to want to get yourself built up. It's not really, it's just selfish to want to get yourself built up, because you can't be a blessing to anybody else until you get yourself built up. You can't minister peace to somebody unless you have peace. You can't minister joy to somebody unless you have joy. You can't minister life to somebody unless you have life. Amen. Amen. And if you barely got enough life to keep you going, well, you're in no position to minister much to somebody else. But God's will and plan for every individual Christian believer is that they be full of the Spirit. Amen. Full of the Spirit. Ready all the time to just flow over in life to other people. Amen. Amen. To minister love to people, peace to people, joy to people. There's enough junk in the world to pull people down. When people come across your path, they ought to be edified. Amen. Amen. Amen? But you know, so many times people are not thinking like that, are they? They're just thinking about me and what I need and what I want and see and not thinking about. So friend, when people get around you, realize that you have an opportunity to edify somebody. You don't have to get preachy on people to edify them. You don't have to act hyper-spiritual. You don't have to roll your eyes back in your head and babble in tongues, you know. You can just smile at somebody and minister life to them. You really can. You can just pat somebody on the shoulder and minister peace to them and minister love to them. A lot of times people try to do things in the flesh and try to fabricate quantities of things that's not really there. But friend, if you're full of something, it'll come out. It comes out through your eyes, comes out through your countenance, comes out through your hands, it comes out through your words. It just emanates from your presence. Amen. Well, of course, where are you going to get all these wonderful things? Well, you're going to have to spend time with the Lord. Amen. Where do you get full? That's why so many folk are not full. Got to get full, you see. Spend time feeding on the Word of God. Spend time waiting on the Lord. Spend some time praising Him. Keep your mind on Him. Amen. And you get things from Him, you see. Moses, you see, when he was receiving the law, went up on the mountain, stayed 40 days and nights with God, face to face with the Almighty. And when he came down, he had spent spent so much time in the presence of God who is light until his being was saturated with that light and his face shone with the glory of God when he came down. Amen. But did you notice they said he had to put a veil over his face, but after a while he didn't have to anymore. Why? Because it wanes. I said it wanes. The Bible said the outward man's decaying, but the inward man's renewed. has to be renewed day by day. And so you can be more or less full of the spirit and more or less full of life and full of joy from day to day, depending on how much you're receiving. You can't minister a supply of the Spirit if you're not receiving a supply. Somebody was asking Brother Wigglesworth one time about what was his secret to ministry. He had so many great things, and some people were so blessed when he ministered and everything that happened in his, in his life and ministry. They said, What's your secret? What's your secret? He said, Well, he said, I just go in the mornings usually and spend several hours ministering to the Lord and speaking in tongues and fellowshipping with Him, edifying myself. And then I go out in the evening and edify the people. Well, that's simple. That's simple. But he built himself up, spent time waiting on the Lord. The Bible said they wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. Amen. And you can't minister something to people unless you got something. Amen. You know, I got this little electric razor that I use. You might say, well, you really use it? Yeah, I use it. (laughs) Amazing, folks think if you got a beard, you don't have to shave. <laughs> well, anybody that has one know you still got to shave. You know? It's actually a trimming apparatus, and it has a rechargeable battery in it, and you have to plug it into the wall and let it charge. Well, they tell you when you get it, the instructions say that you got to plug it in, leave it there for so many hours for it to get a full charge. Well, sometimes if I, I mean to use it, you know, and, I, and, and I've... and uh, forgot about trying to plug it in or charge it and I'm getting ready to go and I reach for it and pull it out and I turn it on and sometimes it'll just go. (laughs) That's it. No power. So you know then what I have to do? There's some power flowing in the wall there. And what I have to do is plug it into that power source and then what do I have to do? Wait. Plug it in, wait. Amen. Preachers, there's a sermon right there. (laughs) Plug it in and wait. Now now what what is happening while it's charging? What is what is that razor doing while it's charging? As far as putting out any energy, it's doing nothing. Is that right? It's just receiving. Is that right? We need to learn about this kind of prayer, the prayer of waiting on the Lord. And that's what we're talking about here. We need to learn about that kind of prayer. Some people, all they know about prayer is just wearing yourself out. When you say prayer and pray, they immediately start straining in other tongues. Oh, you know, and just, and just really ringing it out. There is a kind of prayer where you're quiet and you just receive. See, a lot of times folk are giving out so much, I mean, they're they're more tired after they get through praying than they were before they started, and they're supposed to be, you know, getting charged up. The Bible said you you get edified. When you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, you're supposed to get edified. Edified. Amen. Now, there's some times to stir yourself up and pray with a little more vibrancy, but there are also times when you just need to get quiet. Wait on the Lord. Receive. Receive. I can let that little razor sit there, you know, for several hours. It's not doing a thing. Outwardly. It's not putting forth any effort, but it is receiving. It's receiving. There's a flow coming into it. I said there's a flow. And now, see, if you just leave it plugged in for just a few minutes and you pull it out, it'll it'll just a little bit, but then it runs back down just real quick. Did you hear that? But if you leave it plugged in for several hours... I said, if you leave it plugged in for several hours, then when you turn it on, man, you about have to hold it with both hands. That thing, you know, it's got the power. And you better watch where you put it. It'll it'll shave everything off, you know. (laughs) It's ready. And it, it can run for an extended period of time. Well, do you know why so many folk run out of gas so quick then, don't you? Hmm? They run in, you know, their prayer time consists of A little Bible snack. (laughs) And a few little minutes with the Lord real quick. And they do receive a little bit, but not enough to really sustain them. They don't really get charged up real good. I can tell just as good when I get weak, when I get run down. Amen? Amen? And I've learned as a minister. How many ministers do I have here? I want to see. Listen, ministers. I've learned this. You know, I mentioned a while ago that there's times during the course of the schedule what have you, that I get to speak 20, 25 times a week, minister sometimes several healing lines during that course of time, counsel with individuals a lot of times. That takes a lot out of you. And there's a lot of talk nowadays about burnout. Burnout. Burnout is similar to saying run out. Amen. That's what happens. You run out. Why do you run out? Because you keep trying to put out without taking in it doesn't work I mean anybody knows that if you keep driving your car without stopping at the gas station you're going to run out how many got that much intelligence you know if you keep passing those gas stations well I don't have time to get gas I don't have time to stop getting on gas you know well then you'll have time to be stranded out on the road somewhere I don't have time to wait on the Lord. I'm too busy. I got too many appointments. I got too many of this. I got too I don't have time. I just don't have time to spend time in the word like that. I just don't have time to wait on the Lord. I got too much going. Well, you're gonna run out somewhere. And it'll be your fault. You can't blame it on the devil. Are you listening? You can't blame it on your people. Because you let it happen. Are you listening? You can't blame it. you certainly can't blame it on the Lord. He said his yoke is easy. His burden is light. If you got a heavy burden, you didn't get it from Him. Heavy burdens and hard yokes are man-made. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Besides that, He gives you the grace and anointing to do it. But if you wait on the Lord enough, you really get built up. There's times, you know, I realize that I hadn't taken in like I should have and just get weak. I used to mistake it a lot of times for physical weakness. And I think, well, I just need to rest. Well, it does affect you physically. Don't misunderstand me. It does affect you physically. But I just think, well, it's just physical. I just need to rest. And so I'd sleep, sometimes get extra sleep. I mean, you know, sometimes I'm asleep 10 hours, you see, trying to catch up. And then the next day I'm still run down. And I begin to realize I'm tired on the inside. I'm tired on the inside. I've depleted myself. Well, what's going to fix that? Sleeping won't fix that. I'm weak on the inside. Well, when you're weak physically, you can eat, and that helps. Well, when you're weak spiritually, what do you got to do? You got to eat. Physically, if you're weak and drained, if you'll eat good and rest, you can get it back together, right? You can get renewed. Spiritually, the same thing. You've got to eat spiritually, which means feed on the Word of God. Number one way is open the Bible and read it. <laughs> Tapes are just supplemental. Are you listening? Books are just supplemental. You need to get your nose in the book. Yeah. Read the book. And then also wait on the Lord. Pray. Build up yourself. Get quiet. Get away from everybody and everything. Shut the door. Turn off the phone. Turn off the TV, the radio, everything. Get quiet. Wait on the Lord. And there's sometimes when I tell you, like if I've had a busy week and a busy weekend or something, I'm trying to catch up my fill fill week, sometimes I'll just go in early. Sometimes just five o'clock. I'll just go in and just shut the door in my bedroom, start playing Bible tapes, and I'll be there till the next day. Don't get out, don't do anything. Rest up, take in, pray up, eat up. Amen. And after staying on tap for several hours by the next morning, I'm ready to go. Amen. And if you just do that periodically, you don't ever get so run down. So I tell people there's a lot of folk they are so run down. And it's their own fault. They won't stop. Amen. Gotta do it. So you gotta do it. If you keep yourself run down like that long enough, it starts affecting your flesh. And it makes you vulnerable to a lot of problems that you wouldn't have otherwise. I know when I've you know I've learned that from experience. That when I've done that, when I've not kept myself built up like I should, I have so many little problems, sniffles, colds, symptoms, and things like that. But when I keep myself built up, I can go month after month after month not have any problem, not, not any weaknesses. See, your spiritual condition is directly connected to your physical condition. Say what you will, it is. Third John 2 said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health. How? Even as your soul prospers. That has to do with your, your whole inward man, you see. And Proverbs 18, 14 says, in the Amplified, it says, The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain and trouble. Strong spirit. How are you going to keep your spirit strong? Well, you've got to eat good and you've got to rest. Well, Now, you know how to do that physically, but do you know how to do it spiritually? How do you eat? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can nourish yourself up in the words of faith, Paul told Timothy. Amen. How do you rest spiritually? By waiting on the Lord. Amen. Waiting on the Lord. Ministering to Him. Worship Him. Praise Him. Get quiet. Wait on Him. And friend, as you do, your strength will be renewed. Strength will come into you. And friend, as your spirit gets built up and strong, the strength in your spirit will spill over into your flesh. Amen. And the Spirit of God in you will quicken your mortal body. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. I get excited just talking about it. Amen. Makes you want to go plug in. <laughs> well, we are eating right now. I know that. But you need, you need to have private time when you really get quiet. You really get your mind quiet and your body quiet and, and you really receive. Amen. Amen. Don't kid yourself, don't try to play Superman and just give out, give out, give out until you fall out. If you do it, it's your own dumb fault. Are you listening? I want to help anybody I can and I I certainly have a relate to ministers, but a lot of ministers when they get in trouble a lot of times they want to act like well it's just a spiritual attack, the devil just attacked me and. And these strange things that nobody understood. No, you were dumb. <laughs> Wouldn't listen. And before you, until you admit that, you can't get help. You, you have to admit it and just humble yourself and say, I, I knew what to do and didn't do it. And I got myself in trouble. Amen. And then you got to repent and say, Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me. And if you really will, he will. And he'll help you. But, you know, so many people hyper-spiritualize things. Anyway. Go with me to Acts real quickly. Acts, the fourth chapter. And we talked about the fact that God ministers to parts of the body through parts of the body. And this is true certainly in healing. And I want you to notice how this is obvious in these two portions of Scripture here in Acts. Now, Brother Hagin is teaching on this earlier in the week about prayer in Acts 4, where we see them praying. And let me remind you of what they prayed here. The Bible said that this group was together. And in verse 24, they started praying. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And verse 29, they prayed this. They said, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. You notice a lot of they in there? They, 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 they. Unity. Isn't that right? Unity. When you get the whole body flowing together, and all of them add their supply together, you got a big supply. Amen. Amen. Big supply of faith that receives a big supply of anointing that gets a big result. Whole house was shaken. Ministers were stirred. All of them spoke the word with boldness. That means the Spirit is, is coming up strong in them. Amen. Don't you notice what they asked? They said, Lord, we want you. Now hear what they said. Lord, we want you to stretch forth your hand and heal the sick. It's something about hands and healing, isn't it? Why wasn't it feet and healing or <laughs> head and healing or shoulder? You know, it's hand. It's hand. Hand and healing. Your nervous system is the wiring of your body, so to speak. One doctor uh, friend was telling me about how many nerves endings uh, are in the hand. It's amazing. <coughs> I guess the most wiring comes out there as far as in in your extremities to your hands. And there's something about that. But the Bible talks about power coming from God's hands. Remember that? Over in Habakkuk. Hold your place right here and I'll get that for you and read it from some other translations. Over in Habakkuk. It says this, Habakkuk 3, verse 4. It says, His brightness was as the light, and he had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of the power, of his power. That's a little bit blind to us in the King James. That's why I wanted to read it to you in these others. Uh, This translation says, His splendor is like light, beaming rays in his hands. Another one said, He has rays coming from his hand. There's where his strength is hidden. Another one said, There are rays of glory that issued out of his hand, and there was the hiding place of his power. My, my, my. That's interesting, isn't it? This one said, His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Amen. Amen. And the very next verse said, and before him went the pestilence. That's interesting, isn't it? Power comes out of the hand, and away goes the pestilence. Pestilence means sickness and disease. We, a lot of times when we say pest, we think bugs or whatever, but pestilence means sickness and disease. But I'm mean going to realize that the Bible talks about that out of God's hands comes light and power. And really, in Malachi 3, don't you remember, it said, The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Well, now, wings there, you need to look at the whole context to see what he's talking about. Actually, the the word wings there is referring to the radiant beams. See, he said sun. Well, what does the sun have? The sun doesn't have wings like a bird. It has radiant. Righteousness has arisen with healing. In his wings. And then here it said, out of God's hands. See, the Bible says we're made in the image of God. Isn't that right? And so it's not unusual that he would tell us to lay hands on the sick. You know what that's symbolic of? And also a vessel for. It is symbolic of God laying hands on people. Amen? Because out of his hand comes light. And besides that, God is in us. Is that right? If God is in us, then when we lay hands on people, God is laying hands on people. We're not God, but God is in us. Do you see that? Well, you get a revelation of that, and it'll give you a lot more respect and reverence for the laying on of hands. But now in this fourth chapter of Acts, what did they pray? Lord, stretch forth your hand. Now, some people might think that the answer to that prayer is going to be the spectacular, phenomenal, supernatural. That you're going to see a big, huge hand come through the ceiling. (laughs) God's going to lay his hands on somebody and heal them and work signs. But look at the answer to this prayer in the fifth chapter of Acts. We see the answer, the obvious answer to this prayer. They said, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders would be done. And in Acts five twelve, look at what it says. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And believers, verse 14 says, were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem bringing sick folks with them that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is after the ascension of the Lord Jesus to the right hand of the Father. I mean, these are men, like you and I, you see, that God is using. They said, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal. And He did. How? Through Peter's hands, John's hands, James' hands, and Peter's shadow. These people which are members of the body of Christ, became the hand of the Lord. Friend, there's such a truth here that we need to get a hold of. When God wants to lay His hand on somebody, you know how He does it? He uses your hand. When God wants to touch somebody, He moves on you or me to touch them. When God wants somebody's needs to be met, He moves on some of us. To minister to them. When he wants to show somebody how much he loves them. He stirs us up. And gives us words. And gives us opportunity to touch. And to express. And to speak. And to minister his love. And it's actually him doing it. But he's doing it through us. You know I I have sensed sometimes in my spirit. The Lord being frustrated. Somebody said frustrated? Yeah. Yeah. I can prove it to you from the scriptures. The Bible talked about, in Isaiah, about the people vexing God's Holy Spirit. What what do you mean? Frustrated about what? About people praying that God would do things. Like he's just going to do it by himself apart from his body. Oh Lord, do so and so. Oh Lord, do this. Oh Lord, do that. Yeah, but how's he going to do it? We, we talked about this morning, you know, and, and earlier this week, about pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers. Well, who's that laborer going to be? That's the ninth chapter of Matthew. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers. You know what the, well, you know what the tenth chapter says? I mean, just two verses down? And he sent them forth. He gave them power. He gave them authority. He sent them to preach and to heal. They became the answer to their own prayer. See, sometimes the people, you know, looking across the back fence, Oh, God save my neighbor. (laughs) Are you listening? And now we've learned better how to pray. Lord, send a laborer across their path. If they'd really listen, you know what the Lord would say? You're a good one. Okay, you want me to send a laborer? Okay, you go. You're the laborer. Amen. Amen. We need to get rid of this idea that God is just going to, through some spectacular phenomenon, He's going to minister to everybody directly from heaven without any human agency. God has ordained... And in fact, Brother Hagen has said this before, that the Lord doesn't do anything except He does it through His body. And I think you can see that all through the Scriptures. The Lord told him in a vision that if He's going to do something in the earth, He only does it through His body. Now, friend, that's strong. What if His body doesn't cooperate? It, in essence, ties His hands. Now, I know that folk don't even like if you say anything like that, but it's true. Now, don't misunderstand me. Whether God's will is completely done, it's not just riding on one person. If John don't yield to the Spirit of God, then God will eventually move on Bob or Tom or Harry or Susie. Are you listening? But I think sometimes God has to go through four or five people before he gets the job done. Make up your mind, it's not going to be that way with you. Amen. God deals with you, that's it. Amen. Like Isaiah heard the Lord say, who will go? Who can I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, no. He said, send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm ready. I'm ready. Amen. Amen. The hand of the Lord. Then talking about the supply of the Spirit. We see here a healing supply. There's just one Holy Ghost. But the Spirit of God manifests Himself in many different ways. He manifests Himself in healing power, among other ways. Jesus was anointed with healing power. There was a supply of healing power that went out of Him into other people. The woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd and touched His clothes. And there was a supply of that healing anointing came out of Him and into her and healed her. The Bible says on some occasions like Luke 6, about verses 17 through 19, it talks about the fact that multitudes came to hear him and to be healed. And the Bible says that there went virtue or power out of him. And as many as touched him, Mark says, was made perfectly whole. There was a supply of the Spirit that was coming out of him. Now it didn't just come out of him and jump on people. There had to be something to draw it out. I said there had to be something to draw it out. Did you know faith lays hold of things in the spirit and draws them out into the natural? That's a great truth. It does. The operation of faith to receive is a spiritual force out of your heart that lays hold of a spiritual quantity and draws it out of that realm into this realm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Draws it out. All those people in the crowd that day had been touching Jesus, but there came along that little woman with the issue of blood, and she touched him with faith. We know she did. He looked at her and said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Another way of saying that is, Daughter, your faith laid hold of that power and drew it out. (laughs) Your faith drew that power. See, Jesus wasn't even having a healing line. He wasn't even ministering healing power. He's walking down the road. She didn't even ask him if she could get any healing power. She just sneaked up behind him. And shoot, Her faith just reached and grabbed a hold of that power and came right out of him into her. And the Bible says immediately she felt in her body she was healed of that place. And Jesus stopped. He said, whoa! Somebody touched me! And the disciples went, Lord, people touching you all all over. What do you mean somebody touch? He said, somebody touch me. He's talking about a different kind of touch. He's talking about a spiritual touch. See, it's one thing to touch somebody physically. It's another thing to touch them spiritually. See, with your spirit, you can lay hold of the power of God and pull it out of the realm of the spirit into your flesh, into the realm of the natural, where it affects a work, a healing, a miracle. Faith is a wonderful thing. And so many times folk think they're waiting on God. Begging and pleading with God. Do this for me. Do that for me. But God's already provided it. It's there. The resources are there. The blessings are there. The provision is there. But you and I have to have a faith tractor beam. Amen. And lay hold of what's ours. Like a magnet. And pull it out. It's there. Now we're not talking about trying to rend something out of the hand of God. We're talking about something God has already given to us and is sitting there waiting on us. Waiting on us. But you don't get it out with a hand or a rope. Faith. Like a magnet that pulls a piece of metal to itself. Strong faith pulls harder. Weak faith pulls weaker. And you have to have patience The Bible said, through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. Patience is the force that determines how long you can sustain the pull. I'm going to say that again. I said, patience is the force that determines how long you can sustain the pull of faith. You really don't have any more faith than you do patience. That always excites people when you tell them (laughs) When your patience runs out, that's the end of your faith too. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.